Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Father, we are thankful and grateful for a wonderful opportunity once again to hear your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you take control of our service and speak to us in Jesus' name. I avail myself, Spirit of God, let me be a vessel only that you can use. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege to share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus. And you may be seated. Wonderful. Well, I want to um, continue a message that I began sharing with you about two weeks ago um, about the core. I began talking to you about the core. How many of you were amazed with our instrumentalists? I think we're just too powerful. Wow. It's just too powerful. God is really blessing these children. And God bless you, Brother Andy, for the great work that you are going through these children and in our music ministry. We are blessed. I have an an important announcement concerning our campaigns. So at the end of the service... Somebody should remind me to give you this important announcement. Wonderful. So I want to talk to you about the core once again. I, um, about two weeks ago, I was sharing with you about the core, the core. And um, I gave you the first aspect of the core that um, I want to share some few aspects of the core or the calling with you. And the first thing that I shared with you was that many are called. Do you remember? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14. Matthew 22 and verse 14. The Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. Many of Christians are called. Many of born-again Christians are called. That means the saints of God are called to do the work of the ministry. When we say you are called, what are you called to do? It's to do the work of the ministry. Isn't that so? That is what the calling is about. That you are called to do the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Many are called. Many people are called. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Do you see? He says, he gave several gifts to men. Some he gave apostles, some he gave pastors, evangelists, the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. To perfect the saints for what? For marriage? (laughs) To perfect the saints for good jobs? Or to perfect the saints so they can pass their exams? Or to become good workers at Morgan Stanley? And become good workers at Jacoby Medical Center? To become good workers at Bethesda Medical Center? Is it why God gave this gift? Is it why we are perfecting the saints? He says, but for the work of the ministry, he said, to perfect for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. So we don't come here week by week, Sunday by Sunday, Tuesday after Tuesday. We don't come here to be perfected for marriage. Or to be perfected for good jobs. Amen. God gives special gifts to people to enable them to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. Prophecy to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. Teachers to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. Evangelists to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. No prophecy or prophets to perfect the saints for safe living. Do you understand? It's for the work of the ministry. That is what you are called to do. Hallelujah. To perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. So he says many people are called. Many Christians are called. And this is the reason. When you come here Tuesday after Tuesday and we are teaching you, We are teaching you to perfect you for the work of the ministry. That you can now also continue on with the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. We are not perfecting you and perfecting you for nothing. You don't come here and be taught and just go home and that nothing. You are not doing the work of the ministry then it defeats the purpose for which you are being perfected. How many of you can say that after you've been in a church for a while, you can say that your life is not the same. There's some polishing. You have been polished somehow. You have been perfected in certain areas. It is for the ministry. It is for the ministry. Amen. It is for the ministry. Hallelujah. The second thing about the call is... It is a call to be fruitful. A call to be fruitful. Hallelujah. It is a call to fruitfulness. A call to fruitfulness. John chapter 15 and verse 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordain you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, 
and that your fruit should remain. That your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He may give it to you. Hallelujah. But you see, a lot of people like the latter part of this scripture. That if we ask anything in the name of Jesus, he will give it to us. But that is a condition. That, there's a precondition to that prayer. There's a precondition to that promise. Do you understand? And that condition is that, it says, Jesus says, to remind you, he says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have chosen you, and I have ordained you. Kofi, do you understand? So Christ is saying he has ordained you. To ordain means what? To set apart, set aside, to make special. He has ordained you. He has made you special. He has set you aside that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Hallelujah. If you have accepted Christ as your personal savior, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, then by default, he says he has ordained you. By default. Do you understand? He says he has ordained you. And so, maybe you will wish or you will say that, no, I'm not ordained. But if you have received salvation, if you have received Christ as your Savior, then it means that Jesus has chosen you. He has chosen you and he has ordained you. Do you understand? So, giving your life to Jesus is a choice. It is a choice that you make. It is a decision that you make. Debbie, do you understand? It is you who heard and then you lifted up your hand and you gave your life to Christ. That decision is yours. That is a decision that you make. Subsequently, what you ought to do, it is not your decision. It is not your choice. For that, he says, if you have received my salvation, then I have chosen you to become a witness. Then I have chosen you to go and bring forth fruits. If you have received salvation, if I die, I lay down my life and you accepted that, the suffering, and you accepted the salvation, then you have an obligation to Jesus. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? It means then you have an obligation to Christ. So the choice to receive Jesus Christ was yours. You could have chosen to remain unbeliever. But you have chosen to be a born-again Christian, to be saved. And if you have accepted the salvation, then Jesus says, then I have chosen you. It's by default. So he says, I have chosen you. He says, this one, it's not you that chose, it's not your choice. This is not you that chose me. You chose me to receive salvation. That is it. But to be chosen, to be ordained for the work of the ministry, it was not your choice. I chose you. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? See, we have to be aware of this. Because, you see, a lot of people think, oh, this is the pastor's work. It is the pastor has, you are the one that wants to be a pastor. You are the one that says you are a pastor. You see, you see that is what you feel. But if you are saved, if you have received Christ as your personal savior, then he says he has chosen you. 
and he has ordained you. Just like I have been ordained. You have also been ordained. Wow. Ordained minister. Equia. Salome. Wow. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yes. Sonia, do you understand? It means that you have been chosen. It's not you at this time. It's not your choice to say, I'm not ready for the ministry. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I am called. This is not your... You have been called. <laughs> and you have been appointed. <laughs> it's not how you feel that I feel like I am called. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? He says, you did not choose me. He says, you have not chosen me. I want you to understand this. Because many people don't do the work of the ministry, and this is the reason. They feel that, oh, I'm not called. Amen. Amen. If there are so many people and I choose one, two, three, four, five, does it mean that these five people, I have called them? Does it know, is it not what it means? Yeah. It means I have chosen these five people. That means if I have called you one, two, three, four, five, that means out of the many, I chose you. Isn't that what it means? So if I say one, two, three, four, five, and I wave my hand like, am I not calling you? Have I not chosen you among the many? So Jesus is saying, you have not, did they choose me? No. no. I, he, says, I, he says, you have not chosen me to say I have chosen to be your minister. No. He says, I have chosen you. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That ye should go. He says, and I have ordained you. I have set you apart that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Amen. Amen. Christ made a great sacrifice. Do you understand? He made a great sacrifice. And in return, he says, he has chosen you. He chooses you and he ordains you. Ordains you for what? What does he ordain you for? To sit in church and be polished over and over and over again? Is that the reason why he has chosen and ordained you? Ordained you to be polished and become a good wife? Or become a good husband? A good student? A good parent? Is that why he has ordained you to be in church and be ordained and polished and become a rich man or a rich woman? A good student? He says he has ordained you that you should go. You should go. Amen. You should go. So you are supposed to go after your ordination. Abba, after your ordination, ordained minister, Abba, you are supposed to go. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You are supposed to do what? Go. You're supposed to go. Amen. There must be going. You have to go. You have to go. What? Go and get married. Or go and get a good job. After he has ordained you, you should go and get a good job. Go and find a husband. Go and find wives. But he says, you must go after he has ordained you. Hallelujah. He says, you must go. You, you ought to go and bring forth fruit. 
So when you go, you should come back and we should see some fruits that you are bringing. Do you understand? He has chosen you, he has ordained you, and he is sending you. He says you should go. Go and bring forth fruits. Go and bring forth fruits. Hallelujah. Every born again Christian is expected to go and bring forth fruit. Shakira, do you understand the word of God? Every born again Christian, Zadian, every born again Christian, everyone who has received Jesus Christ as his personal savior, you are supposed to go and bring forth fruit. This is not a, a job for some special people. He says you are supposed to go and bring forth fruit. It's not a job that is for the evangelism team. Do you understand? Or a job that is for some special Christians, for, some, for pastors, for shepherds, for people who want to, want to go high in the ministry. It's for every Christian. Are we reading the scripture? Is Jesus called the shepherds? It's for every Christian. It's the Bible for every Christian. Yeah. So it's not a work for evangelism team to go and bring forth fruit. And what fruit are we talking about? Are we talking about mangoes and guava and popo? <laughs> Somebody said atwa. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Is that the kind of fruit that you are supposed to go and bring? Huh? To go and bring forth fruits. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is, this, is, this is Jesus speaking. This is, these are the words of Jesus. Amen. To go and bring forth fruit, bring forth souls, to go, that the Christian should go and bring fruits, bring souls, that you, you as a Christian, you personally, you should also go and bring fruits. Hallelujah. And then when you bring the fruits, they should come here just one day, Sunday, and then they vanish. Is that how? Bring forth fruit and let the fruit just show up and show that, oh, this is your fruit. You just brought this fruit and then the fruit is vanished. Is that how? What are you supposed to do? It says, and that your fruit should remain. Wow. That your fruit should remain. So why do we attribute the care of the fruit only to certain people? To the pastors. Why? Why do we think that the care of the fruit, that the fruit should remain, is just the pastor's work? Or just a follow-up team? I'm not part of the follow-up. That is their work. Jesus said, ye have not chosen me. You have not chosen me. You chose to give your life to him. Fine. That is a choice that you made. Because he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him, that is your choice. You're the one that believed in him and that you have received everlasting life. Now, he says, you have not chosen me. If you have come to this kingdom, then I have chosen you and I have ordained you to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That means you must see to it that the fruits that you bring, they remain. 
Amen. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? That your fruit should remain. Let's read this verse in the Amplified Version. Do you have that? If you don't have that, tell me and I will. Amen. It says, you have not chosen me. You have not chosen me. Tell your neighbor, you have not chosen Christ. He says, but I have chosen you. He said, Christ has chosen you. Amen. Amen. Jesus has chosen you. Wow. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and have appointed you. I have appointed you. Do you know appointed pastors, people who have been appointed as pastors? Where are they? Where are they? Hey, you can't find appointed pastors here. It's me. I am the one. Well, then let me read this scripture to you. You know, I think we should read this together. Do you understand? Let's read this scripture together. One, two, three, go. But I have chosen you. And I have appointed you. I have planted you. Okay, pause, pause. This is the pastor. This is about the pastor. Are we talking about the pastor Ben? Do you see the pastor? Do you see my name here? Okay, let us read it. You see, I want you to understand this very well. So let us read it in another way. That pretend like you are Jesus, right? And your neighbor is a church member, someone who has given his life to Christ. And point as you are reading, tell the person that you are Jesus. You see, I want you to act. We are acting a play right now. And each one of you, you are Jesus. And you are telling the person what Jesus is saying. Do you understand? Maybe that will make sense to you. So let us go. One, two, three. Wait, 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 wait. Rhoda, where, where is your Christian? Come closer. Come and sit. Emmanuel, do you have someone that you are going to point to? So you are Jesus. Each one of you, you are Jesus. And your neighbor is the Christian. So let us read. One, two, three, go. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Point to the person. Point. I want you to point to the person. I have pointed you. Now, does it make sense? I realize that no one pointed to me. Do you see? So it's not the pastor only. That is what I'm trying to get you to understand. That this scripture is not the pastor only. Amen. This scripture is for us. Jesus is talking to you personally. 
Because if it is for the pastor only, then it's only the pastor who can pray and receive if you call upon the name of the Father. But I believe all of you pray. And in the end, you say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And you are having faith that you are going to receive it. Isn't that so? So the scripture says, it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed you, I have planted you, that you might go and bear fruit, and keep on bearing. So the fact that last week you invited someone, and the person came to church, and the person has established in the church, doesn't mean you are done. You ought to keep on bearing. Keep on bringing forth fruits. Keep on bearing. Amen. You see, when a tree tries to bring out fruits and the fruit don't do well, the, fruit, the tree doesn't give up and say, that's it. The fruit, the tree keeps on bearing. Keeps on bearing. And the tree is ensuring that some will remain on it. Do you understand? Some will remain. That means that the tree will take nutrients and bring it up and feed the fruit. And the effort is that the fruit will remain. Do you understand? So you keep on bearing and it says that you will keep on bearing and that your fruit may be lasting. You have to feed the fruit. You have to feed the seed that you have sown. Keep feeding. Doing all that you can. Spraying, cleaning the weeds. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Feeding it with water. Sometimes you don't feel like going out to water your garden, but if you want the fruits to remain and be lasting, you have to go out and water. You have to. You have to remove the um, the leaves and make air, make room for the the tree to grow. And all of that is the effort that you are making. That you are making to ensure that the fruit remains. It is your responsibility. He says that, that you might go and bring and bear fruit and keep on bearing. And that your fruit, your fruit, your fruit, not my fruit, not her fruit, your fruit, the one that you bore, the fruit that you bore, your fruit. It's not someone else's fruit. Do you understand? And that your fruit may be lasting. That it may remain. Abide. The fruit that you brought, it should not vanish. That you brought, and that is not my responsibility. Do you understand? Because some of you, you call, did the pastor call you? You see, they want us to invite people, but they don't call anyone. They don't follow. Have the pastor visited you? You see, your fruit must remain. You should make sure your fruit is remaining. That's how they are. They didn't call you. Eh? They keep bothering us. Invite people, invite people. And nobody is following them up. Is somebody understand? You see, some of you have said these things before. That's why I'm preaching to you. That's why I'm preaching to you. It's your responsibility that the fruit that you brought, if the fruit has gone, you have failed.
failed in this scripture. You have failed. And the condition, the next thing, the promise that is following, you're not supposed to be praying for that. If you invited someone to church and you didn't ensure that the person remained, or that you, somebody you pray for someone and the person gave his life to Christ, it is your responsibility that the person remains, that the fruit is not, look, giving your life to Christ is not something you just do and then you are finished. You have to go back to the world. Anyone that gives his or her life to Christ, you become a target for the enemy, target for Satan to bring you back to the world. Everyone, including pastors. Everyone. You begin, you become, that is why you hear, have you not heard of pastors who are backslidden and they are not pastors anymore? You've not heard that before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pastors who are now, all that is on their mind is working. They're working for money, no church anymore. Pastors who don't come to church. Yeah. They don't preach anymore. They don't minister. They don't do the work anymore. So when we invite someone to church or when you witness to someone, it becomes your responsibility. And this that I'm talking about, it's not for some people. You know, there are some people that they call for evangelism. No, you don't show up. You alone, you can't go for evangelism. And when we are organizing one also, you don't join. We, you have never brought anyone to church before. You have never witnessed to anyone, but you believe that when you pray, you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he will give it to you. That you believe that 100%. He says, and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide. Your fruit will abide. It will stay. Your fruit will remain. It will abide. It will become a permanent member. And that is not because the pastor has followed up, the shepherds are calling, but you, you, you are ensuring. And so if you invite someone to church or you witness to someone and you work, it is your responsibility to take the person's number and say, please, call this person for me. Please, I need you to follow up on it. It is you to ensure that. Please, this person... Can you, can you organize some visitation for this person? I want this person to be established. I want this person to remain. It is your responsibility. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing? Or you don't understand? You don't agree with the scripture? I didn't, read the Bi- I didn't write the Bible. It says that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide. So that whatever, whatever, this is the condition that brings prayer, 100% answer prayers. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, as representing all that I am, and all that he is, is what he's telling you. As representing all that I am. If you are representing all that he is, then you can assure that the Father will give it to you. Then he will give it to you. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? You have not chosen me. Amen. So Jesus is saying what is included in the call is that you make sure that you bring forth fruit 
and that your fruit remains. That your fruit remains. Hallelujah. It means if you have witnessed to someone, it is your responsibility, your duty, that the fruit remain. And that means whatever you need to do, you have to do. Whatever, even if the person has not been called, don't tell the person that's how they are. That is not helping your fruit to remain. You are destroying your own fruit. And that is your fruit. It's not my fruit. That is what I want you to understand. It is not my fruit. I will help your fruit to remain. I will help your fruit to abide. I will help your fruit to be long-lasting. But it is your primary responsibility. So I am just helping you to ensure that your fruit remains. But it's your responsibility. Jesus says that your fruit, you, 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 Rhoda, that your fruit will remain. Where's your friend? You see, your friend that you brought, it is your responsibility, Rhoda, that she abides. That you call and say, I'm going. Are you coming? I'm coming to pick you up. Get ready. He says, I've not ironed my clothes. I'm coming to iron them for you. I'll do it for you. Just get, go and take a shower. Leave your clothes. I'll iron it for you. Then you bring the person to church. And after church, you bring the person home. That is your duty. That is your responsibility. Amen. It's not for you to say, oh, don't worry, that's how they are. I've been in a church for almost four or five years now. No one has visited me. But each time we're trying to visit you, you close the door also. Amen. Each time we're trying to visit you, you close the door. Hallelujah. So it is your responsibility. You have to give the person's number to people. And, and come back and say, have you called? Have you called this guy? Have you co- oh, I gave you this number. You have not called. Please call. And then you come to me, Rev. I have given this person's number to three people. Nobody has called. Please, can you ask them to call? You see? That is, that is the work that Christ is expecting that you do. Do you see that you are all ordained? You are all appointed? Yeah. This is your fruit. It's not the, some pastor's fruit or some shepherd's fruit. Amen. You see, if we don't understand this, that is the, I mean, this is the reason why many people behave as if the work is the pastor's work. Because we don't understand this scripture. And so we think that it's the pastor's work. Pastor has to preserve the fruits. This, a lot of people feel like that, including shepherds, including junior pastors, assistants, including everyone. They think that they are helping the pastor to do his work. But it is your fruit. Your fruit. It is your fruit. So when we give you some f- fruits to follow up and you are doing the work, you see, and we are asking you, you don't know that we are helping you to just establish your fruits. You think that, oh, you are, you are doing, a, if you can't do your work, don't, don't be a pastor. If you cannot do your work, don't be a born again Christian also. Because Jesus says he has chosen you. You did not choose him. But he chose you. And he ordained you. And he sent you to go and bring forth fruits. Don't bring yourself. Don't tell me if I can't do my work, don't be a pastor. Amen. 
Hallelujah. You see, Jesus went to a very large extent to save you. He went to a very large extent to save you. And this is what he asked of you. This is what he expects from you. Hallelujah. The reason why a lot of us, we are not doing it is, you see, we don't know the extent to which Christ went to save us. And if we know also, it means that we don't value it. We don't give it any value. That means you don't even value your own salvation. Because if you value it, and this is a person who laid down his life for you, this is what he's asking of you. For what I've done for you, you also do this for me. You chose me for my salvation. I've also chosen you for my witnessing. For my other souls. Amen. The third thing I want to share with you is that we are not called in the same way. We are not called in the same way. Amen. We are not called in the same way. Hallelujah. We are not called in the same way. Amen. You see, when a mother is at home, for instance, you know, she may scream to call one of her children. Do you understand? You have several children. You, you need one of them. You may scream and call the child. For another, you may send someone to go and call the child for you. Do you understand? For another child, you may not send someone. You may not scream at the child. But you may just wave your hand like this. You may wave your hand like this. Or you just look at the child and you do your head like this. The child will understand that you are... Isn't that so? So can any one of your children, any one of your children say, my call was not a real call. Mommy didn't scream, so she didn't mean to call me. Can you say that? Or you can say, you say that she didn't wave at me like the way she kept waving at you when she, so she didn't call me. Can you say that? You can't. No matter how she sends the message, it can be a text message. And says, come right now. Oh, she didn't scream. It was just a text. So I, don't, I didn't think she really meant to call me. Michelle, is that what it means? So the calling may not be the same, but the person is calling. Do you understand? It may not be the same way that he will call you and, or he will call this person, but he's calling. Hallelujah. If we are not also aware of this fact, if we are not aware of this fact, most of us will exclude ourselves from the calling if we are not aware of this. A lot of people will exclude themselves from the calling that they are not called. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. We can still read this from the Amplified Version. That's fine. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Hallelujah. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still drawing his breath hard from threatening and murderous desire against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. This is Saul when he took 
up to persecute the church. When he took out to take away all these people who believe in the way, they are following the way. That was the, what, what they used to call it, the way. That's the way to heaven. So he says, he was drawing his breath hard from threatening and murderous desire against the disciples of the Lord. He wanted to kill them. Do you understand? Medros desire against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest, verse 2, and requested of him letters to the synagogues at Damascus, authorizing him so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, that's the faith, if he finds any men or women who belong to the way, that is the way of life as determined by faith in Jesus Christ. That is what they call it. He might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. This man was angry, murderous desires, and he believed in what he was doing. He believed that this was his calling for this generation, that we have to wipe out all these people who have risen up to be to call themselves followers of Jesus Christ or the way, following the way. And he believed in what he was doing. He believed in this calling. So he went to the high priest to obtain permission, permit to randomize, just round up all these Christians, put them in chains and bring them to Jerusalem and put them in prison. Shut them off. Do you understand? Verse 3, now as he traveled on, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you harassing me? Why are you troubling me? Why are you molesting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous, and it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goat, to offer vain and perilous resistance. This is vain and perilous resistance. Anyone that rises up against the ministry of Jesus Christ, you are fighting in vain. And he says, it is dangerous. And it will turn out badly for you. Anyone, anyone that rise up to do anything in the church to hinder the ministry, it is dangerous for you. Very dangerous. You know, there are certain things that we joke with. Do you understand? We joke with, you know, outside of the church, maybe at the workplace and someone has a new position and you know you are you, you're doing certain things to undermine the person it's not like that in the church it's not like that it's not like that it is dangerous very dangerous and sometimes you believe in what you are doing do you understand you believe that what i'm doing is the right thing but if it is hindering the work of God, it is undermining the work, 
It is making some people stop doing the work. It is causing some people to be afraid to do certain things. Then it is very dangerous. Very dangerous. And the scripture says, it is dangerous. It says, I am Jesus. You know, a lot of times people don't know who they're persecuting. A lot of times people don't know who they're fighting. And they think, oh, I am just giving trouble to the choir master. Oh, I'm just being disrespectful to this shepherd. Oh, I'm just being disrespectful to the, 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 the um, usher. But Jesus, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And it is dangerous. And it will turn out badly for you. You see, I want you to note this. That as you are doing the thing, you don't see anything bad now. But it says it will turn out. Anything that will turn out, it is not now. And this is the mistake that a lot of people make. That they think they are getting away with it. They think they are getting out. It's going to turn out badly for you. You are going to see. You are going to see perilous times. You will see that times are perilous. Times are hard. Times are not easy. Perilous times. When you fight the work of God. When you oppose the work of God. Sometimes, if you don't want to help, it is better not to fight it. Do you understand? It is better not to fight it. So he says, it is dangerous and it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the gold, to offer vain and perilous resistance. Trembling and astonished, he asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? The Lord said to him, but arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You see, are you surprised that Paul was called this way? Are you surprised that Jesus had to meet Paul this way? Because if you are a parent at home, and you saw one of your children taking a kitchen knife and chasing the other children and chasing them and, and running around and they are running around. Hey, stop, put the knife down, put it. And then you as a parent, you will sit there and then you say, hey, Tommy, Tommy, come on, Tommy, stop doing that. You're going to hurt your brothers. Come on, Tommy, drop the knife. Is that what you're going to do? Is that how you are going to call Tommy? Debbie, is that how you are going to call Tommy? Tommy, come on. Tommy, be a gentleman. Tommy, you are a nice kid. Don't play with knives. Is that how you are going to do it? And Tommy is raging, carrying the knife and playing and walking with the knife, trying to... And the other children are running around and running away from Tommy. And you as a parent, you are a mother and... Tommy, please, Tommy. Please, I've I've talked to you about playing with knives. Is that how you are going to behave? So you see, it is not surprising that Saul will be called this way. Do you understand? And you don't expect someone who is born again Christian, that understands the faith, that understands the scriptures, that is sitting in church, 
You don't expect that Jesus will come to you the same way as he met Saul, who was raging, who was with the knife, chasing the children at home and looking to persecute them and bring them and destroy them. You see, at that time, the disciples preaching cannot touch them. At that time, the disciples cannot minister to him and let him understand the scriptures and let him understand that, you know, it is by grace that we are saved. It is Christ that gave his life to us. It is what we have seen. It is what we have seen that we are testifying. And this, so you are not there, but it is not the time to preach. He has to call him. Tommy, come on, put down the knife. You can't run around the house with knife. Tommy, you, you see, you are ready to smack Tommy. And so you don't expect that the way the parent will approach Tommy will be the same way. You don't expect us to be called the same way. That we all have to see a light. We all have to see flashes. We all have to see angels. Before we say we are called. We don't expect it to be the same way. Amen. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? So the calling cannot be the same. Their calling cannot be the same. There are some people, they just saw what Jesus did. They just saw. They just saw the miracles. They just saw him walking on the ocean. They just saw him, they just saw him sharing bread amongst thousands. They just saw him healing the blind. That is all they saw. And for that, they said, what we have seen. That is their calling. And so, you see, But, you see, that is the nature of man. The nature of man is that when there is one supernatural something that happens, we make it the standard. We make it the standard, and it is how we can say that we are really also called. We make it the standard and say that, you know, it is just like Paul. It was just like the way Saul was called. You know, I had this dream, and there was this bright light. And you see, you are comparing it and then you feel like, oh, I am also called. That becomes our nature. But someone that understands, someone that is born again, someone that has sat in the church and we have preached to you and we have shared with you and you are in the way. You are also in the way. You are part of the way. You are in the faith. You don't expect that. Jesus will come before you and stop you in the middle of the highway with the bright light just to get your attention because you are not raging with knife in the house. Amen. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You know, one time there was a, there was a wedding. There was a wedding in the other church and the wedding was so powerful. I mean, I have, so far, I have not attended a wedding like that before. Do you understand? The wedding was, I mean, I don't know how much money they spent. And I wasn't surprised. After the wedding, the marriage was ended. Do you understand? It was, I mean, when we finished the ceremony, I mean, the place alone was, and then when we finished the ceremony, and then we were having the, um, the first session, just we were talking with the cocktail, we thought this is it. <laughs> we thought that we are finished. Do you understand? We thought that this is the, this is the, this is, oh, I said, oh, this is also different. 
Even the place where the cocktail was and the things that they set up and the type of food and the people also starved themselves because they thought this is it. <laughs> it was all hot dishes and I mean wild, wild, wild food. I mean this wedding was like do you understand? And then when we finish, then they escorted us to this huge hall. Hey! What are we going to do here? Dessert? No! The real dinner. Hey! <laughs> I tell you, it was not a small wedding. <laughs> and the people couldn't even eat <laughs> because... <laughs> They have finalized issues before they came to their hall. They have finalized issues already. Do you understand? So you see, after this wedding, you know, everyone in the church that will organize his wedding or her wedding, the people will come and say, oh, how was the wedding? Oh, it was wedding, but it was not like so-and-so's wedding, you see. You know, somebody's nice wedding. And then they'll go and say, oh, it was really nice, but it was not like, and subsequently, every wedding, oh, it was nice, but it was not like so-and-so's wedding. Do you see? And that is what we do. That is what we do. We make something a standard. And then we expect that we all should follow this standard. And if it is not up to that standard, then it is not it. Do you understand? Then it's not it. But we can, we can bless your marriage in the classroom. We can bless your marriage here, in the back here, just before the bathroom. Even in the bathroom. And you are married. I am telling you, you are married. I, I will bless it for you powerfully, and I'll pray over your marriage powerfully, and you are married. You are married. You don't need to invite anyone, just you and your and then two witnesses. That's it. We pray. Powerful wedding. Powerful wedding. And then when we finish, we just just ask. We will have our special dinner. Cocktail, dinner, everything. Right here in the back. We'll be happy. We'll be happy. We'll be happy. I'm telling you. And you'll still be called missus. And you'll be called husband and wife. And I will give you the license that same night to kill. Amen. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. Hallelujah. But Saul needed a dramatic call. He needed that dramatic calling. He needed that attention. He needed that intervention. He needed for him to, for Christ to get his attention. It was not true preaching. It was not going to come through sharing and reasoning. He had to have an encounter. And that encounter changed him. Amen. Amen. And so we don't expect that we all should have the same type of calling. Hallelujah. We don't expect that. Your child should say, mommy didn't yell at me, so she's not calling me. Mommy didn't scream, so she didn't call me. She just waved her hand, and she didn't mean to call me. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Our calling are not the same. Hallelujah. The lack of drama makes a lot of people 
trivialize their calling. The lack of drama or the absence of the drama, the absence of, you know, unusual things makes a lot of people not value their calling. You see, if you were invited to a wedding in the Buckingham Palace, for instance, they gave you an invitation to a wedding in the Buckingham Palace, I believe the preparation that you will make, it will not be the same as you were invited to a small village in Jamaica, a wedding in a small village in Jamaica. Shakira, is you, you, the dress that you will buy for a wedding in Buckingham Palace, it will be the same type of dress that they invited you, some of one cousin, some long-distance cousin in some village in Jamaica invites you to a wedding. Would you buy the same type of dress? You probably may not. You may use probably a whole year to search for a dress to go to the Buckingham Palace wedding. Do you understand? And that is what we do. We, we trivialize the call because there's no drama around it. We trivialize the call because we don't see the drama that is around our calling. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 22 verse 1. It's okay, you can read King James Version. Matthew 22 verse 1. It says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, said and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. You see, he sent, he, he prepared a wedding, he sent his servant for the people who have been given invitation that the wedding is today. Come. He says, they will not come. The next verse. And he sent forth other servants, saying, tell them which are bidden, the ones who are invited, the ones who I have called. Tell them, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. And now look at this. This is the verse that I want you to see. It says, but they made light of it. Hallelujah. They made light of it. Amen. They made light of it. A lot of us, we make light of our calling. We make light of our calling. We trivialize our calling. Amen. He says, but they made light of it and went their way. One to his farm, another to his merchandise. Can you imagine someone's wedding and you make so light of it. You make so much light of it. You trivialize it. He says, one went to his farm. Farm. Somebody's wedding that he has prepared for over a year. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Even the rehearsal night. It was not easy. And they say that, I'm going to my farm. I cannot come. That means they trivialize the preparation. They trivialize the word. They make light of it. And Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of heaven is. The call to the ministry work. People make light of it. People trivialize it. 
Amen. The next verse, he says, and the remnant, the rest of them, they took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. You know, let's read this scripture again in the Amplified Version. I like that. Let's read it. The Amplified Version. He says, while the others, no, from the beginning. Verse 1. He says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. Comparison stories used to illustrate and explain. Saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. And sent his servants to summon those who had been invited to the wedding banquet. But they refused to come. And he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My bullocks and my fat calves are killed, and everything is prepared. Come to the wedding feast. But they were not concerned. They were not concerned. And paid no attention. They ignored. They ignored the calling. They ignored and made light of the summons and treating it with contempt. And they went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The next verse. While the others seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and put them to death. You know, sometimes, even the work that you are doing, there are people that treat you shamefully. There are some people that laugh at you. There are some people, even our own relatives. He says, you, you have, no, you, you, have you lost the reason why you came to this country? Everything, church, church, church. Every day, church, 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 church. You don't have anything else to do. You see, so when you invite them, they make light of it. They treat you spitefully. He said, if you don't have something to do, we, we, came, we have something to do. If you don't have anything better to do. He says, the rest, they treated them shamefully. They treated them shamefully. People make light of the call of God. Amen. People make light. And sometimes the reason why we make light of it, you see, because you compare even to your farm, that you went to farm. When someone's wedding was ready, it means that you don't see the drama around it, so you trivialize your call. You, 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 you You make it of no value. Hallelujah. Most of us, that's what we do. We don't think that we are called. And so, when you are told that you are called, you trivialize it. Because I can tell you that if this evening, after service, you went home and you opened your door, and as soon as you opened the door, angels in the whole apartment, bright light angels in the whole apartment, and as you enter, the door shuts behind you. And you are standing in the middle. And then you hear a voice. You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. And I've ordained you. And I've appointed you. That you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. I believe that a lot of you will not come and say, Reverend, as soon as I finish my nursing school, I will come and do the work. As soon as I finish this, I will come and as soon as I get married, I will come. Is that what you are going to do? A lot of you will run quickly and, Reverend, where would you send me? Send me. I am ready. Send me. 
You see, you, that you will value the calling. But because there is no drama around the calling, we make light of the calling. You don't pay attention to the calling. You don't pay attention to the calling. Hallelujah. You don't pay attention to the calling. Amen. Let me give you this quickly and then we will close. Because um, I just want to finish this. People are called in an ordinary way. Number four, people are called in an ordinary way. In an ordinary way. People are called in an ordinary way. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 11. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 11. People are called in an ordinary way. First Kings chapter 19 verse he said, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. You see, this is us, Elijah, when he was waiting on the Lord and was expecting the Lord. And he was looking forward to see the Lord. So he was instructed. The Lord told him, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Do you see? Such drama that you would think that if there is a great wind, strong wind that broke the mountains and broke the mountains in pieces and broke the rocks, you will expect that the Lord will be in this wind. But the Bible says the wind passed and the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, an earthquake, boom! And then, you see, if there was a little earthquake as I'm preaching, wow. <laughs> Some of you will leave the pastor and then you will run away here. You say, Rev, did you hear that? You'll be ready to run. But there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Tamir, do you see that? You would expect that some dramatic thing will be associated with God. But he says, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. The next verse. And after the earthquake, a fire. And we know the God that answers by fire. He says, after the earthquake, there was fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle stillness and a still, small voice that said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. Still voice. No fire. No earthquake. No crackling of mountains. A still small voice. A still small voice. Hallelujah. A still small voice. Sometimes it's just a still small voice. The pastor does not have a voice that is dramatic and say, Onya! My brothers and sisters, this evening, I feel it! You see, Debbie, then you'll be shaking. Ha! 
<laughs> I feel it. <laughs> Zadian. You see, I don't need to do that. I am just reading the scripture. And it's the voice of Jesus that says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. The scripture. And that is what we are running by. Hallelujah. And so we are not all called the same way. Some people are called by a still small voice, such as a gentle pastor's voice, who is not that dramatic and is reading the words of Jesus to you. Our time is up. We'll pause here. Let's put our hands together for the Lord and we will continue next time. Oh, how we have belittled the calling, how we have trivialized the calling, how we have made light of the calling because of the lack of drama around our calling. Because there has not been a dramatic association with the calling. But he says he has chosen you. Regardless of what you have seen, what you have heard, you may not have any feeling, you may not have seen anything, but his words stands the same. And he says, you have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. It doesn't matter what you have seen. It doesn't matter what you have felt. He says, I have chosen you. And I have ordained you. That you should go. That you should go. And bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Your fruit should remain. I will answer. lift up your hands and sing to him oh Jesus lead us lead us Jesus oh Jesus we will yield to your voice we don't need to hear we don't need to feel anything it's just your words that say that you have chosen us yes we believe that you have chosen us that is all we go by we have not felt anything we have not seen anything. We have not seen any bright light. We have not felt anything. We don't feel anything. We don't feel any heat. Oh, but we hear your voice. We hear your words. And you say, You have not chosen us. You say, We have not chosen you, but you have chosen us. Yes. Yes. Lead us. Lead us. Lead us. Yes. We will go. I will answer, Lord. I will answer to the call, Lord. Let me, Lord, and I will go. You have called me. You have called me. Father, we are thankful and grateful. Father, we thank you 
that you have chosen us oh lord who are we that you you jesus you have chosen us and ordained us made us special separated us from the world appointed us to be ministers you have ordained us that we should go and bring forth fruit father we thank you for this great privilege forgive us lord that we have made light of our calling forgive us lord that we have neglected our calling that we have belittled our calling forgive us lord that we have not paid attention to this calling forgive us lord but we hear your words we have not felt anything we have not seen anything we have not experienced anything but lord we go by your word and your word says you have chosen us and you have ordained us that we should go and bring forth fruits we thank you lord for including us in this great ministry in the name of jesus we give you glory and honor in jesus name I will answer. I will answer. Let me know, Lord, and I will go. Thank you, Jesus. If you are here this evening, you are not born again. You want to give your life to Jesus. You feel if you were to die today. You know, if you were to die today, you are not going to be with Jesus. If that is you, you want to give your life to Jesus. Beloved, there's reality of hell and heaven. It is real. Today is an opportunity for you to make the choice where you want to go. The choice is yours. He says he has given his only begotten son to die for you. If only you will believe in him. If only you will believe in him. The choice is yours. If that is you. You want to give your life to Jesus. Lift up your right hand. And I'll pray with you. I'll say a simple prayer with you. You want to give your life to Christ. You may not have this opportunity again. If you are watching us online. You are listening to us. It is your choice tonight. If you want to give your life to Christ. If that is you, lift up your hand. Wherever you are, wherever you are watching us from, wherever you are listening, lift up your hand and say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be called one of your children. But tonight, I repent of my sins. I come to you, Jesus. Wash me with your blood. Forgive me of my sins. I welcome you into my life. Lord Jesus, be my master. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Put your hands together for Jesus.
We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.